You're listening to the Jack and Chill Podcast. Our viewers about it. Yeah, I would I would love to uh to share this. Um some of our listeners out there who are uh, students in our World English uh Google Meets class know that I I have been absent lately the last week or so. And uh, about a week ago, my father had a, a major heart attack, um, which was terrifying, you know, for our family. And um, when the uh, the doctors did tests and everything, they found that basically all the arteries and arteries like um, it's like a tube that carries blood. Like a major your, vein, right? A major right. vein. Because your heart pumps blood to the rest of your body and it and blood feeds into the heart and then it pumps out. And um, his his arteries were all blocked like they were up. Some of them were ninety nine percent blocked, which is I mean, you're he, he was not getting enough blood to his heart. And um, and so he, he ended up having a heart attack. And, um, you know, it's the life when, when you live, uh, the life that social and I have lived, like where you work overseas, you're so far away from home and it's very difficult to receive news that your, your family member is, is really sick or having a very serious medical emergency. And so it was really, um, here's an English expression, touch and go. And touch and go means it was very delicate, like he was um, very close to, to death. And um, luckily, uh, my, my brother and his, his wife were visiting my parents, and they both work in the medical profession. And um, my brother noticed the symptoms in my father and, and, and brought him into the hospital. And, um, my dad has not left the hospital since that time. And he actually went and had a, uh, a quadruple bypass and quadruple just means four quad means four. Um, triple bypass means three double bypass means two and bypass means one. And so he had a, a four bypasses, a quadruple bypass surgery where they connect uh, arteries. They basically go around the bad part of the artery, the, the tube that carries blood into the heart and out of the heart. And they, you know, created new tubes that were clear and clean and, um, they take those tubes from other parts of your body, like from your leg um, or maybe your arm. I'm not sure. Um, and uh, and they harvest them. They, they put them, they sew them into into the, the heart. And uh, he he had that surgery. And I just talked to him before the podcast, maybe 10 minutes ago. And uh, he's out of surgery and he's doing really, really well. And so it was one of those like ter just terrifying moments where 
you know, you, you, you do that kind of like thinking in your head, like, is, is that the last time I'm going to talk to my dad? You know, like, is this, is this it? Like, um, and, and, you know, before he went into surgery and so for those 24 hours while he was, you know, in surgery and, and coming out of the surgery, um, it was, you know, I was trying to distract myself by listening to podcasts or, you know, talking with my wife and stuff like that. Um, but luckily everything went really, really well. And so it looks like he's going to make uh, a full recovery and, uh, you know, for any of our, our listeners out there, anyone, and I know that you recently experienced a loss in your family. Um, I've experienced a, a pretty significant loss a couple of years ago. And uh, it's, it's just really scary and painful. Um, all, all the, uh, here's another expression in English, the woulda, coulda, shoulda moments, you know, Um, right. I would have said something, I could have said something. And so my big takeaway, the lesson I learned from this is, um, you know, hug your loved ones a little bit harder today, you know, um, because you we just don't know the future. We, we do do not know the future. And, um, and, and all the little um, petty grievances that we have with with our, our relatives or our friends are so insignificant in the grand scheme of things you know um we you know we we hold on to those those things that we um shouldn't be holding on to and you have to let those go and just just squeeze your loved ones tightly and tell them that you love them because you just never know when um when you're when they're going to be gone and uh and sometimes it it takes a wake up call like almost losing a, a parent or a friend or a sibling before you you realize that and once they're gone it's it's too late you know to to do that and so i feel like i got a second chance to really you know, just say to my father, dad, I love you. Um, you're, you're amazing. And, uh, and I feel so lucky and so blessed that I got that opportunity because it could have really gone the other way very easily. And, uh, you know, those are the, the important things in life is family and, uh, and, and friends and, and loved ones that that's what really matters. So, yeah, that was the the harrowing experience that uh, that we've been dealing with in my family here for the last week or so. That's terrible, Jack. I'm really sorry you've been dealing with all of that. Well, thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I, uh, I I know we're we don't need to to, you know, keep uh, talking about this, but I, it kind of brought you, you mentioned the topic of like family emergencies and things like that. And um, what about you? Have you experienced any like family emergencies that you don't mind sharing with our, our podcast listeners? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess the first one would be when my grandfather passed away. Um, I guess that was in October now. 
or the it was either the end of September or the beginning of October. It's fuzzy in my mind at this point. Yeah. Um, but it feels like so long ago now because how of how the brain like processes loss. Yes. Um, it just feels both so recent and so far at the same time. Right. Um, and that was a big thing because I didn't, I couldn't even fly back to see him in time really. Um, and that was a big deal. And then, uh, recently my grandmother this week as well on Monday, um, wasn't able to get out of bed. She wasn't able to stand up on her legs. And we did call, I eventually convinced them to call the ambulance, which um, had to come and strap her into a chair because the driveway's like on a slope and it's very icy yeah. um, because of the Iowa weather. Um, and they got her into the ambulance. They took her to the hospital and they did some imaging and some tests. And they found out she has pneumonia, a bacterial pneumonia in her lungs. Um, oh, pneumonia is an infection of the lungs for those of you who don't know. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was kind of a big deal. <laughs> but thankfully, she's okay. And yeah. um, they did tell us that at the hospital, you know, she was good to come home that night around 1 or 2 a.m., um, they gave her an, an antibiotic, and she's doing okay. Um, but it certainly was scary in the moment. She was very confused. I didn't understand. This is why I wanted to call the ambulance. She's she had a lot of like confusion, and she seemed like lost. Um, mm -hmm. And I thought it was weird. And when they came, they thought you know it might be pneumonia or some kind of infection. I didn't understand what the confusion was about, but once I got to her to the hospital, they had to put her on oxygen because her oxygen was very low. Right. Um, and of course that makes sense as to how it affected her brain, right? Because <laughs> she wasn't getting that oxygen supply that she needed, which is why she was pretty confused. Um, exactly, yep. Yeah, it, it, it was a scary experience. Um, and like Jack said, it makes you think, okay, you should enjoy appreciate and value the time you have with people because you never know when the last conversation will be, when your last day together is going to be, when your last memory together is going to be. And I don't think you'll ever regret spending that time together at the end of it. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. And another big deal for me, I think is, um, it's important to see the issues our family are dealing with in their older age as a forewarning mm -hmm. you it's not just about how long your life is but it's about the quality of life that you experience and at the end of your years like into your 70s 80s 90s um if you make it that far you want to live as comfortably as you can yep. um and that definitely means taking care of your body now so like your diet maybe your your health in general, um, keeping on top of any pre-existing conditions or any genetic conditions, you know, that your family had, you know, keep screening for those things. Always prioritize your health, get enough sleep, um, eat healthy, sleep enough, drink enough water, yeah. <laughs> do regular exercise and keep your body in good condition. Don't wear it out, you know, because it, it works very hard every day. Um, and it's going to have to last you, probably 80 years at this point, you know, because of life expectancy, 
altogether when a new baby is born is probably going to live into its seventies or eighties. So yeah, it's important to take care of your body. Yep. We have a, a this is another little idiom. Um, a, a, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Yep. And what that means is just a little bit of a little bit of prevention early on, like taking care of like what you said, your health, watching your diet, getting some exercise, um, getting good sleep. Sleep is really, really important. Um, I think it's the one that most people ignore. Um you know and and if you do those things when you're young and you develop those good habits then as you get older your quality of life will remain much higher because i don't how many you know do you do people want to live to be 90 but the last 30 years of their lives they're basically stuck in a chair you know unable to move um i Do you, do you have any, like, I have, um, some health issues and I don't mind sharing with the, uh, with the, with the listeners out there, a couple of my major health issues. One of them is that I have, um, a genetic, uh, high, genetically high cholesterol. It's not, it's not really anything that I can control with diet, um, my cholesterol is just always off the charts. And so I started visiting a cardiologist a couple of years ago and a, car a cardiologist is a, is a heart doctor, a heart specialist. And he put me on some medicine. They're called statins. And a statin is a medicine that lowers your cholesterol. And that was something I, I'm really glad I did that because I tried to manage it through my weight and I tried to manage it through my exercise and through my diet. And I was just never able to get my cholesterol under control. And as you can see, because my father just had a heart attack is that in my family, we, we genetically were, we have a, a predisposition, which means um, a high likelihood of, of having some kind of heart problems later in life. And I thought if I can just get this under control now in my forties, um, maybe I can avoid the same problems that my father just experienced and my grandfather experienced and my uncle and my cousin experienced. I mean, I, it's all over my family. I it's it's lots of heart problems on my family, not so much cancer, um, but it feels like it's either one or the other in a family. Right. It's like hearts are hearts great, but cancer, you know, is is common right. or not so much cancer, but a lot of heart problems. It seems like you can never avoid um one of them uh one or the other um and the other thing that really is is uh too late for me in some ways is that i have um really serious back issues so i've had two back surgeries already and i've it's it's something that really 
um, makes it difficult for me to exercise because I was an athlete in in high school and college. I played college basketball. Um, I was in very good shape, um, you, you know, as an athlete. And one of the things that is kind of common for athletes is once they stop playing competitively, they tend to gain weight and not remain healthy because there's no reason to exercise because you're not playing any more games. And so one of the, the things that happened to me is I just got really, you know, kind of uh, lazy and ate what I wanted to eat, but I wasn't exercising like I, like I was when I was in college. And, and so for me, it's, it's a little difficult because uh, I can't run anymore. Um, my my spine is just too is too weak. Um, I can't I can't do long distance running. Um, so I've been doing uh, cycling uh, lately, and um, it, and it's just it's it's a a, a kind of nagging uh, issue, and and I and I it's it's uh it's something I wish I I wish I had taken care of my back um, a lot better when I was younger, because now I'm kind of paying the price for not taking care of it 20 years ago. Um, and, uh, and so maybe that's, I can give you kind of, uh, uh, I can be kind of a, a cautionary tale um, to people who are younger, like your age, that take care of your back take care of your knees, you know, um, those are really important if you want to stay healthy, because you, in order to exercise, you need, you need to have a, a healthy spine and you need to have healthy knees. And I've, I've unfortunately had uh, knee surgery, uh, several back surgeries. Um, I'm, I'm just a, a kind of broken down uh, <laughs> machine. Um <laughs> So it's a yeah. So I I agree with you a hundred percent. What you're talking about is the prevention is is the cure many times. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I have some long term health issues as well that I'm trying to to get taken care of here in my twenties, so that through my thirties and forties I can make sure my body is strong enough that it won't keep deteriorating, I guess. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought that we could transition to uh, something that that is, um, I, I guess the topic today is medical emergencies. And we've, we've talked about that a little bit. And um, we there's a there was a question from uh, one of our our students um, in in our WhatsApp group, and they were just kind of wondering like what is the the process for um, like when like fat when when people go to the hospital uh, in America, and what is the uh, like they're asking. Um, what is the culture like when visiting uh, a relative in the hospital? And I thought it's kind of interesting because I, I learned a few things about that in Korea um, and that it, it's different than in America. And I'm, I'm wondering if, if you have the same experience or 
what the experience might be like in Mexico as well, because I know that you also have lived there for long periods of time. And so in Korea, if your family member has a surgery, the family is expected to do a lot of the kind of caretaking duties. Now, obviously, the family is not giving, administering any shots or, you know, drugs or anything like that. They're not doing medical procedures. But if, you know, if your family members in the hospital, there's always an, another family member in the room to, you know, give you a pillow, um, help you eat, um, make you comfortable. Um, and nurses are much more kind of uh, distanced from the patient. They're not, they're not really like sitting there talking to you and taking care of you. They're, they're much more interested in the kind of technical things like giving shots and checking your vital signs and things like that. And that's kind of different than the American system. The American system is the nurses do a lot more I've, I've found like their nurses are, you know, they'll, they'll, uh, bring your food, they'll help you eat it. They'll take the tray away. They will, um, they'll, you know, give you another pillow. If you need a pillow, they'll ask you if you're comfortable, they'll, they'll bring you a blanket if you're cold or take your blanket off if you're too hot, um, those kinds of things. And I, that was a really kind of shocking difference I noticed. And the reason I noticed that is because, like I said, I have had several back surgeries and both of them were in Korea. And the first time that I had back surgery in Korea, I was, uh, I, I, I was here alone, you know, I wasn't married. And so I was just all alone in this room and the nurse would come in really quickly, check my IV bag or whatever, and then she would leave. And, but my food was just sitting on another table kind of far away from my bed and no one was there to, I couldn't reach it. Like it was just, they just set it down on the table and walked out. And I'm like, right, right reach for you. How, how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to eat that? I can't even, I can't move. And I ended up having to grab this like pole and I had to reach the pole and hook the table and pull the table towards my, my bed so that I could reach the, the food. And it was just really, um, it was, it was really strange because it was, they basically expected me to have someone there to take care of me, but I didn't have anyone in the country to take care of me. So I was kind of left, you know, without missing this, this really important piece of, of, uh, of, of the, of the, of the process of, of recovering. And, uh, I don't know how, would you agree? Like, would you say in America, nurses are more hands-on in, in that regard? Yeah, I feel like the nurses are kind of the backbone of the medical industry in America. Mm -hmm. um, they do a lot of the heavy lifting. Like, a lot of times you'll see the doctor for like five minutes or right. ten minutes, maybe. 
probably less, more like five minutes. And the nurse will do everything. They'll take your blood work. They'll swab you. Um, they will ask you, you know, questions. They fill, fill out your history. They get your background and your story. Um, if you're bedridden, like you're old or you just had a surgery, they'll like change out your bedpan or they'll walk you to the bathroom. Um, they'll get your food for you. Like Jack said, uh, they'll administer your medications for you. Uh, even if it's just a pill, they'll bring it to you with water or whatever. They'll like refill your Sprite. I've been hospitalized a few different times, both in the U.S. and in Mexico. Just this year, I was probably hospitalized like four or five times, maybe. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. And they um, here in the U.S., like they'll they'll like order food for you, bring it to you, give you a Sprite put like spongebob on for you on the tv it feels like being a little kid again kind yeah. of yeah um yeah and it's kind of nice because all you have to do is focus about getting better you don't really have to worry about anything um and as jack and i have talked about before in the u.s like if you're like the process of it is basically like if you're sick with a cold or something you would go to a clinic but if your symptoms are more severe, you'd go to urgent care. And if your symptoms are like more severe than that, like either life threatening or you can't really take care of yourself or it could lead to serious complications and you need like emergency testing or imaging or whatever, um, then you would go to the ER, like emergency room. And then you may be hospitalized for a couple of days, depending what your situation is and what they see your condition as. Um, and like Jack and I have talked about before, it's kind of like a more of a luxury experience. Right. You kind of get your own room. Um, you can like order food off a menu now. <laughs> Just last oh, time really? I was hospitalized. Did... Yeah. Okay. There's a menu. I was hospitalized for a couple days. Uh, when was it, Jack? In December, right? Because I remember yeah. I couldn't do the podcast. I was hospitalized for like two or three days um, in December. And they give you like a menu and you tell the nurse what you want and they order it for you and they bring it to you and they give you like a drink. Like you can ask for Sprite or apple juice or, or whatever you want. Um, And I was just kind of sitting in there. She she asked me if I wanted to turn on the TV. She put SpongeBob on. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I was just watching SpongeBob in there with like a Sprite and my dinner. Um, and it was just kind of funny because it was basically like being a kid and you're kind of being waited on hand and foot by the nurse, right. um, and doctors and the team, the care team are coming in and out and like asking questions and maybe the like phlebotomist or whatever is taking your blood. That's the person that like puts a needle in your arm into your vein and takes your blood out. It's a phlebotomist. Um, and then as like a specialist might come in and get an EKG on you, which is like a, they put little stickers on you where they like read your heart and your um, basically your heart rate and make sure there's no like heart murmurs or like issues with your heart. Um, yeah. And so nurses do everything. And in Mexico, I would say that's also different check. Um, the, when I went to the public hospital, it's completely free. I had mm -hmm. to go twice. Um, 100% free. Like, in the U.S., it was free for me, but only because I have Medicaid. Yeah. 
yeah. um, which is national health insurance. But if I were, if I didn't have Medicaid, it would have been thousands and thousands of dollars, right. like probably tens of thousands of dollars to have been there like a couple of nights. Um, in Mexico, I have no health insurance, but it's absolutely free. Um, but it's really short staffed. Um, they have a ton of students in there because there's not like enough doctors or anything. So there's like students trying to take your blood and doing a really terrible job. Um, there's like one nurse running around trying to take care of everyone. There's no rooms. You're all just sitting out in a hallway in these beds. Right. And you're not super allowed to have visitors. Like they're your visitors or people who could visit you have to sit in the waiting room, which are just these steel chairs. Yeah. <laughs> But they, if they like, if it's a short staff and it's like nighttime and stuff, they'll let like one person through, like the lady who was in front of me, like on her um, little hospital bed, she was using a bedpan. So they let her mom through so she could help with certain stuff. So she was like the one emptying out her bedpan or like doing certain things. So I would agree, like the family is much more involved and the hospital staff was very irritated with me because I didn't have anyone there with me to do certain things like um, get like a CD for medical imaging or like get um, go to the like withdraw blood and like go to the lab because it was a weekend and the, the, their lab inside the hospital isn't open on a weekend. Um, so they needed like someone to be there and they also don't want to release you from the hospital unless you have someone there to pick you up right um and i think all these things come from like collectivist cultures where there's yes. strong family ties right so it's like your family you live close to your family probably and your family will be there for you and you'll be there for your family but in the u.s a lot of people move away for college move away for work it's a huge country a lot of people's families can't drive 10 hours or fly five hours or whatever out to wherever <laughs> they are. Right. Um, and so it's very lucky, like in your brother's case, like you said, he was visiting. Right. Um, because it's such a huge country and people live kind of insular, like isolated from their families a lot of the times. So, um, they live, they move far away from their families. Um, for the reasons I mentioned, um, the hospital doesn't really expect your family to do any of that in fact they would probably be irritated if your family was in there trying to take on any of these tasks right because they see it as like a medical professional's job sure uh, and not the job of your family right well i think families get in the way sometimes yeah too many questions there's too many too many people in the room you know it's kind of like get out of the, get out of the way let us do our job right yeah, it's pretty bad. What about the culture of visiting someone in the hospital, Jack? What would you say that's like? Yeah, so that one's a little different. Like the, what we're describing is um, kind of the long-term care part of the hospital. But if you just receive a visitor, um, there are in America, there are visiting hours. And so, you know, people can come in and it's usually during a time when the nurses are not performing some kind of um, some kind of job, you know, if they're if they have to take blood or they have to do it, run a test or something, then they don't want any visitors in there. Um, visiting hours are only during the daytime. Um, now, if you're a family member, they'll give you an exemption. So they'll they'll bring a, a, a kind of sleeping chair 
if, uh, you know, for, like, for example, my mother, want, if she wanted to stay with my father overnight there, um, she could have slept there. Um, they, she only lives five minutes away. So they just decided to go home and, and sleep and then come back to the hospital. Um, but, uh, but when it comes to just like visiting someone in a hospital, you, you know, you, you, you check in, uh, you, you say who you want, uh, to, to visit. Um, they make sure that you are, that that the person who is in the hospital who's sick wants to see you you know they're not going to let anyone in that makes the patient uncomfortable or feel more stress um and uh and then you can come in and you can you can spend a short amount of time you know just you know giving what we call in english we say moral support you know just cheering up lifting the spirits of the patient, the person who is sick. Um, but um, yeah, it, I think they're, they're very strict about visiting hours and the amount of time that people are able to, to, to see the, the, their, their friend who is in the hospital because they have a job to do and they don't want any of that visiting to get in the way of what they need to do to make this person healthy because the number one objective is to get this person stable and in the recovery process. And, you know, and so oftentimes uh, nurses get a bad reputation for being kind of mean. Um, you know what I mean? Like, uh, okay, now you get out of here. It's, you're done. You know, it's <laughs> like, leave, leave them alone. Let, let them, let them sleep, let her sleep. Um, and so it's, it's, you get kind of, they get a little bit of a bad reputation for that, but I think it's just because they need to be forceful. Otherwise family members and, and friends will just kind of be hanging out there in the hospital and they don't want a lot of people hanging out in the hospital. Number one, they can bring in illnesses and, you know, diseases and stuff like that. So if, if one of those visitors is sick, that could hurt the, the patient, um, it could also hurt other people who are in the hospital. And a lot of, you know, when you're in the hospital and you're, let's say, in a, not in a room, but like, uh, you know how they have like the curtains, a kind of a curtain room? Right. It's like, it's like you're in, you're all in the same room, but you're separated by a privacy curtain. Privacy curtains. That's what I was looking for. And you don't want, you're, you're, you're very vulnerable, you know, you're, you're half naked, you know, like you're wearing a, just a, a hospital gown. Um, you, you, you know, you don't, you don't, you, you don't present well, you, you're, you look sick. Um, your hair is a mess. Uh, you're not wearing makeup or whatever. And those people, they don't want to be seen by a lot of, other strangers, you know, because, you know, I'm just thinking like, especially when like kids come to the hospital, they're curious, you know, they want to look around and, and see, you know, who, who are these other people and what's wrong with them. And that makes the patients uncomfortable. So I, I think the reason there's very strict rules about who can come in and for how long they can stay is 
not is it's not about punishing the the patient or the visitors it's about making the other patients comfortable as well and so i i kind of like the american system i think it's i because like you you know in your situation you didn't you didn't have any immediate family there with you at that time i didn't either there should be some kind of protocol for those situations it shouldn't just be like well I guess that's, you know, that that sucks for you. There's, you know, sorry, you don't have anyone here to help you. It's right. like, <laughs> you know, it's like, what am I supposed to do? You know, I, I, I thought it was just a very bizarre situation. I, I was in a hospital. It was so funny. There was a TV, but there was a, it was coin operated. So you had to actually get out of bed, go put coins into the TV and then it would turn on and you could buy, I think maybe 50 cents would buy you 30 minutes of television, something like that. Right. And, and I didn't even have anyone to put the coins in the TV for me, you know, because it was like, you know, not the nurse's job to do that. So um, it, it was just a very strange experience for me. And I, I I just was kind of I didn't expect it. You know, it's one of those things when you live in another country, um, you can't predict everything. Right. And, and you just always assume that it's going to be the same as your country. And right. You're not really prepared for those kinds of situations. Yeah. You just and it's the funniest little situations, just like like I said, like the food where they just put the bet the food on the on a table that was like far away from my bed, and I'm like, hello, is what am I what how do I eat this, um, and uh, yeah, it, it was just a very very strange experience, and I'm not saying it's a bad experience. I think it's great that you, that family members are expected to kind of step up and do some of that work uh, because I think nurses are overburdened with, with too many things anyway. Um, but I do think that like exceptions should be made when people don't have family members, because there are right. going to be situations where, you know, you have a patient that doesn't have, maybe they don't have any family left. Maybe their family is all passed away or they never had kids or who knows. It could be a whole host of reasons why, there's you don't have someone there to help you um or there should be like a service where you can hire um like a a helper you know and they do have that now i think that you can get a private nurse now in korea i heard that you can pay a private nurse oh okay okay maybe that would have been uh the right way for that that would have been very useful for me i just didn't know beforehand so i don't yeah, know if it was possible back then or if it's just become more of a thing because a lot of people like move away for college now and there's more foreigners in the country and there's just like i guess after years of situations where there was a patient that couldn't take care of themselves they changed it a little bit so you can like hire on recently i think you can hire on a nurse like a private nurse but yeah. you would have to pay additional money and it's just kind of sucks in a way because um you wouldn't really have to worry about that, I guess, like in the U.S. Like it's just included 
I mean, they're charging you bazooka bucks. <laughs> Another way to say yeah. a lot of money. But the money like, you're paying in America, you deserve a, a whole private staff, a butler, uh, a maid. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the nurse that's working as the butler and the maid, basically, <laughs> and the medical professional. They're doing a lot. So yeah. that does make it really hard. Um, but yeah, I think with in Korea, that's one aspect. I thought about getting the surgery I was going to get um in korea because it's so much cheaper but then i realized like i'd have to spend money for like my mom or something to come out because yep. and at that point it's like i'm not saving that much money <laughs> because i basically have to pay lodging for my mom and i'd have to pay a plane ticket for her because i'd need someone to take care of me because the nurse isn't really going to do it or again you could hire a private nurse but again that's also adding to your expenses so that's just something to consider and it's like if you are going to move to a foreign country i guess it's something to look into because it is shocking how different those experiences can be yeah for sure and you never know when you're gonna need you know i mean i i had a uh like i said i had, I had a back surgery at that time and it was a uh a, a ruptured disc in my spine and Dang. uh yeah so i was in the hospital for several days and uh i remember um just gritting my teeth and uh trying to get out of there as fast as i could like i went home after uh, way too fast you know i was just like okay if if no one's gonna help me i could do i can do this at home then you know it'll be easier and so um i actually uh just made kind of pretended like I was doing better than I than I was with the doctor you know I was up walking around and and uh how do you feel oh I feel great you know but I I didn't um you just wanted to be at home I just wanted to get out of there because I was like you know what like if 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 I'm gonna do it all on my own anyway uh might as well be in my own apartment like there really is no reason for me to uh to, to be in this hospital. And so that was the one thing that w kind of uh, turned me off to it. The thing that I did like was they're very competent. They're very nice. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a bad experience. It was just, uh, it was one of those culture shock moments. And, right. and yeah, there it's, it's very interesting. Like I just, what the expectations are uh, from country to country and so, you know, I'd really like uh, love to hear from our listeners out there. Like, what is it like in your country? Because, um, you know, do they uh, do the nurses like what are the what's what are, what are the job duties of of a nurse in other countries? Because I, I bet it's some of them are similar to Korea and some are probably similar to the United States. It's it'd right. Be, it'd it's be like really interested. Our nurses. Yeah, I, I want to hear from you listeners. Are nurses, you know, expected to take on duties like the U.S.? Or is there other hospital staff that takes the place of a nurse? Or are patients kind of left to fend for their own if they don't have any family? Like, does family have responsibilities? What's the protocol for visiting sick family? Um, yeah, we would really like to hear from you guys. So make sure to leave a comment down below at a to z englishpodcast.com. Shoot us an email at a to z English podcast at gmail.com and join our WhatsApp and WeChat groups to join the conversation and let Jack and I know what's it like in your country. See you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.